The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Learn the language of spirit. This is The Intuitive Life with Laura Wooster. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Intuitive Life. We walk together and support each other on the path to becoming more spiritually aware, enlightened, and inspired. My name is Laura Wooster, and we will be taking your calls today for questions and readings. And it's 816-251-3555. Again, it's 816-251-3555. And I'm going to get right into this. We have a guest that I have so much I want to talk to him about. And many of you probably are very familiar with, with my guest today, my fellow Unity um, radio host, uh, Vincent Jenna. He's an author, psychic medium, and spiritual teacher and speaker, and so much more. So welcome, Vincent. It's so glad I'm so glad you're on the show with me. Thank you so oh much. Oh, my God, Laura. I am so thrilled to be here. And I was thrilled to find out when they put you on as a host because I knew it was just going to add to the quality of Unity Online Radio. You're great. I love listening to you. Oh, thank you so much. That's, I'm, I'm honored for you to say that. Thank you. And, and you know, when I met you and Eileen oh, a year and a half ago in Scottsdale, I believe. I think it was, gosh, it's been a year and a half. It's hard yes, to believe. Yes, it was. I, yeah, I you, had known of you because you were working with John Holland for a while. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and and he has several friends that um, Karen uh, Polino that you mm-hmm. know we knew her and who knew John. So I had known of you, but it was wonderful meeting you. And here you are, you were there, kind of like you know supporting John. And now you're the main event. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's funny how the you know you just never know how the universe is going to bring you. You know, and just kind of follow the breadcrumbs and just keep going yeah. and see what happens. And that's that it just happened out of the blue. So I said, Yep, I'll do that. That sounds like fun. And so I started oh, this in September. Laura, yeah. you know nothing happens out of the blue. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> it was a divine e- event that was always meant to be. You just I you took it fun. on. You just proclaimed it and owned it and and you've been running with it. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. It's the best thing to do, right? That's why I made a deal with Spirit one day when I said, if I'm meant to do this work, you just bring me the opportunities, and I'll do it whether I'm ready, think I'm ready for it or not. And I just, that's what I do. That's my philosophy. So, um, but anyways, I would like to go on. I want to, I want to talk to you. About, um, there's a few. Well, there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about. Well, one of the things I do want to focus on today is how you know how do people get out of their own way? That's that's a big thing. That's the name of your your radio program. Is how, you know, 
stop stopping yourself, right? And we will right. get to that because um, a lot of people have been coming to me. I know you probably have in the same situation, especially during um, COVID times, people feeling stuck and and feeling like maybe they're they're self-sabotaging themselves in some way and they just want to know how to get out of that. And, and I know that you really you do a wonderful job of turning that into a time of transformation instead of feeling stuck. Um, but I do want to get to that. But the first thing I want to talk about is because I always say when anytime I interview a psychic medium, nobody ever wakes up one day when they're a kid and say, hey, mom and dad, I want to be a psychic medium. Right. <laughs> so what, what brought you to this path? God, I wish it was that way, Laura. Well, know, right? it, it, it's really interesting. I was a professional singer, actor and dancer for the first 35 years of my life. It's what kept me alive. I was the tormented one in school and bullied all the time, but I was a really talented young kid. I had uh, one of those Sicilian opera type voices, very strong and powerful. And I was a little actor, very dramatic. I'm Aries, born on April 1st, Italian and from New York. You can't help but be dramatic. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that helped to keep me going because while I was being tormented, I would do shows. I would perform in choirs, um, Kennedy Center, Carnegie Hall, all different places. And the applause was the only way that I knew that I was accepted in some way. Because even at home, uh, mom had mental pathologies and was taking it out on me. So nothing was safe in my world except when I was mm -hmm. on a stage. That's what I did first, right? And so mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough as a young actor to land a part in the movie Grease with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it was the most awesome experience before getting married and having children. Um, so what happened was it became an overnight sensation. We all know that. And it was mm -hmm. just a couple of years before my 10-year high school reunion. And everybody was wondering whether I was going to attend or not because I became a little famous local guy, you know, being in this big movie. And so it was all over the newspapers, TV, all of that, that stuff. But I, you know, my wife and I, I was married at that point. I was 28 years old and um, I, w I was going to that reunion, boy. I was going to show them that I became somebody. I'm talking out of a class of 350 it was about mm -hmm. 300 of them that used to pick on me every single day of my life while I was going to oh school. Goodness. And even in a small neighborhood, they would find me, chase me, beat me up in school, shove me in lockers, throw me in dumpsters, flush my head in toilets, uh, pee on me, spit on me, all types oh of things. Gosh. And one of the guys who caused most of my antagonism was the clown jock and he was really famous and all he'd have to do is mention my name and boy oh boy oh boy everybody would start picking on me so i go to this reunion and now everybody has grown up right and i have a little background and a little fame right mm -hmm. and so i show up and it really was like a cinderella story you know from disney except you know a guy instead of cinderella where I showed up and all the girls were all over me, the jock, the jockettes, you know, all the other girls. And, oh, my God, they wanted to know all about Hollywood. They sat at my table most of the night. 
And then mm -hmm. the kid who caused most of my antagonism at the very beginning of I come in and I enter shouts my name from across the hall and the entire hall freezes because they have no idea what he's going to do. Is he going to pick on me? Is he going to antagonize me? He came up and ran up to me, grabbed me in a bear hug. He would never let go. He just wouldn't let go. It was such love. And in those that hug were the words that he didn't have to speak. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And wow. we became dear friends from that moment on. And unfortunately, he was a type of guy that was very private, but would show off and brag all the time. He rented the Porsche for the reunion so he can impress everybody. He was telling everybody of his wonderful job. He married his childhood sweetheart, had three children, has this gorgeous condo in expensive Connecticut. But I kept hearing in my mind something else. Well, time went on, and it was only within a couple of years, actually, this all transpired. He, I knew his life was falling apart. And we spent a weekend with him in Connecticut, and, and his wife isn't there. The kids aren't there. You know, he's been home, you know, on vacation, supposedly. And he's still bragging. He, he's the type of guy you don't ask, how are you? Because he goes on about him. And maybe the last five minutes before you walk out the door, he asks how you're doing. But I was still close to him, and I let him do that. Well, I was on the way home in tears because I felt my heart breaking for him. Yeah. And for the first time in my entire life, and I was 28 years old, I had never done this before. I cried out to God and I begged and pleaded with God to help me help him. I didn't cry out, Laura, for God to help him. I cried out for God to help me help him. I don't know why I did that then. Mm -hmm. I know why now. And I said, give me the ability. I don't know how to help this guy. I know his heart is breaking. I know what it is to lose self-esteem and self-value. And that's where I feel he is, even though he never said a word to me. And within a week or two week period, it was an absolute paranormal event that even still Steven Spielberg couldn't recreate. And it was amazing where um, all these all these entities were coming to me, um, living and people. I was being introduced to psychics. I was hearing people's minds and thoughts. Um, information was what they called downloading into my brain, and it was coming out of my mouth. I started trancing and speaking as another person. I, mm -hmm. I, my wife, thank God... She had been with me since I was 17 years old. She knew me upside down and inside out and knew that I didn't know anything about what I was speaking of all this philosophy of life. And at first, she didn't know if I was going nuts. She didn't know whether to call the local rabbi, the local priest to get me exercised or Bellevue to have me locked up. But she mm -hmm. trusted and she believed in me so wholeheartedly, she knew something must have been going on. And so she stuck with me through this. And this is how it began for me. It was a tsunami thrust upon me because of what I requested. And maybe it came on so hard because it took me so long to ask or open or give an opportunity for the door to open to my true path. But it took me even many years after that event 
to accept my true mission and destiny. I wanted an, I wanted to be a star, an actor. I didn't want to be there telling me I was going to be a spiritual teacher. I was going to, to change the concepts of life and transform people's lives. I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to be a movie star. What are you talking about? Don't tell me this stuff. What do you mean Jesus wants to talk to me and give me all his words? Doesn't he remember as an altar boy I was eating his body in the back of the altar every single church Sunday? I just like and drinking his wine, his blood, you know, and I wasn't allowed to do that. So it, it was just a massive undertaking, and that's why it took me so many years before I truly accepted my mission. I was doing, then I became part-time and before I became full-time. That's how it started for me, Laura. Wow. Wow. Did you feel when you had that sudden awakening of sorts uh, and, it, and, and it's like spirit just piled it all on you, like all these experiences, did you feel like they were giving you a picture of what was possible, like in that moment? I didn't know what they were giving me, nor did mm. I know why they were giving it to me. What do you, right. what does a spiritual teacher do? I came from a very small sheltered town, Levittown, Long Island. Even though I lived mm -hmm. in California, I was only privy to all the actor stuff, the emotional drama that goes on with actors. I wasn't right. into the paranormal. I wasn't into spirituality. Mm -hmm. I was far removed from the church, though I was very close with God and Jesus, but not in the way that I was taught. From right. the age of 13 years old, I used to argue with the priests when I was an altar boy that they were teaching God <laughs> and Jesus wrong. Well, that landed me my greatest beatings because mom oh thought God. you never argue with the priest. You listen to what they say. You're going to condemn us to hell because you're arguing with them. And I used to get beat oh. all the time when she'd find out that I was having discussions with the priests at 13. I understand oh now what it was all about. It was part of a plan, but I didn't know why, why me, why me, I'm undeserving, I'm a nobody, I'm, and, and my, you know, after going through all that torment and listening to my own mother tell me, yeah. why are you even an actor, you're a Jenna, nothing comes good from Jennas, what makes you think you're so special? So that was always ingrained in my mind, and Laura, it's ingrained in my mind till today, which is why I do the work I do, because that's what stops people the most. Their inner voice that is so deep down ingrained inside of them, they don't even know when it's speaking. Oh, so true. And I can relate to a lot of this too, because I, part of my journey is the same thing. I had a sort of a sudden awareness of sorts and I was trying to figure out, am I, do I need to be locked up somewhere? Like what's going on here? And and for several years, it was going through the same, you know, the same process of accepting the path and also being feeling worthy enough to 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 walk that path as well and so you had right. this, a similar path yeah it's, totally. it's part of the journey and, and, i think and I, mm -hmm. I don't mean to interrupt but also at the same mm -hmm. time you're saying to yourself why me why should i be doing this and then the other side you're saying Oh my God, am I just thinking that I'm special? Do I have grandiose yeah. ideas? Am I narcissistic here that spirit is talking to me? Angels are talking to me? Who am I to be doing yeah. that? And you know what? That was the three temptations of Jesus. It wasn't a devil huh. during the yeah. 40 days that he walked through the desert when he was presented with his mission. It was his own inner demons and fears that he had to face. 
the mm-hmm. same inner voice is saying, it's going to change you. Who are you? They're not going to like you. What are you going to do with this? You're supposed to help the world. I, I still mm-hmm. reckon with that. I still want to make sure that I'm saying and doing the right thing, Laura. Me too. I'm right there with you. You're speaking my language here. <laughs> I totally understand what you're saying. Um, so you're also a therapist. So yes. Tra- okay. Yeah. The funny story behind that is, okay, so here I am, this psychic guy, and then I was led to doing readings. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do readings now. Oh, holy cow. What do I call myself? <laughs> I don't want to be right. called a psychic. Psychics yep. are those loony people from California that I ran into and heard so much about. <laughs> don't call me. What am I supposed to do? Put a palm up on the highway, brother Vinny, or better yet, cousin Vinny next to sister Sarah? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. That's not what I wanted. Right. So, so for the longest time, I was like, I, I got involved with a psychic fair that traveled in New Jersey Up and down, if anybody is listening that's familiar with New Jersey and Garden State Parkway, they understand this. There there were several exits from north to south. And each Sunday in a month, we'd be at a different exit at a hotel there. Every single month, the same hotels. And I started doing it part-time. That was it, just on Sundays um, doing this. And I would never call myself a psychic. Everybody else was a psychic. I was a transformational coach or one time I was an intuitive counselor, but I never called myself a psychic. (laughs) So the longest time I called myself an intuitive as well. I'm just an intuitive. I know. (laughs) It's nuts because, well, because of all the labels that go with those words and what people think of them, even still today. Even still today, they think psychic people are crazy, and I have to convince them otherwise. If I convince them Mm -hmm. at all, I don't try to, actually. And Mm -hmm. so what wound up happening is I was in an automobile accident that took me out of my full-time job. And I I sustained some injury where I couldn't drive anymore. And at that time, even though I was still performing, and, you know, performers always have bread and butter jobs, I was also a disc jockey, a mobile disc jockey. And I would used to do weddings and parties and all of that um, in between. And and I, I would work for a major company, and then I had my own business. Well, the accident took me out of that business. And one of my clients who used to come to me on Sundays for readings said, why don't you become an actual therapist? Because I get more help from you than my own therapist. And I was like, but that requires me going back to school. I didn't, I never went to college. Oh, I did. I actually won a full-time scholarship to a major university on Long Island for my acting. And I slept in the parking lot for the first semester because I didn't think I needed to go to college for that. So I lost that opportunity. So here I am now. I'm in my 30s. Um, I have two kids already, and now I'm talking about going to to school, and my wife turns around once again, believing in me completely. She says, why don't you go full-time? She says, I'll support the family, the only one working, and she wanted me to go back to school full-time in order to get credentials. She said, that will make you stand out different than everybody else, and that's what I was thinking, all right. I'll be one of the few psychics that is actually a therapist and a psychotherapist. And that's what I did. I went back to school. I got my BA in psychology. 
uh, from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And by the time I finished my BA and I was in my 40s already, I was like, you know, it, I don't need to become a psycho, uh, I'm a psychologist or a psychiatrist in order to do this work. I can actually become a clinical social worker and still do it and only go two more years. So that's why I went for my master's. Now, with that and with my psychic ability, that's why I call myself a psychic therapist now. So it is true. I am, and if anybody has ever called me psycho, they're right. I am a psycho <laughs> and a psychic therapist. So I got both covered. Um, but I, I know the human mind upside down and inside out. All I did was study the self. I focused on the self and self-understanding. I studied with one of the major professors who's in all these journals um, uh, who, who made so much history about the self and and the ego. And so now... I can go deeper than most psychics are willing to go because I'm not afraid mm -hmm. to opening up Pandora's box because I know how to handle it. Right. And that's yeah. why I wanted to do this. If I was going to transform or help people transform their lives, empower them, I and I wanted to go to the nitty-gritty stuff. That's mm -hmm. why I'm the tell-it-like-it-is psychic. That's why I'm arrogant from New York mm -hmm. uh, and Italian, because I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to hear. I'm not going to sugarcoat it because we've had too much sugarcoating, and that's why there's so that's many great. diabetic people in the world, diabetic mm -hmm. people in the world. And so mm -hmm. I will go there. I do it with humor, and I do it with love, which is why mm -hmm. it's so accepted but I know the mind and I wanted to know the mind. So I've got those credentials to be able to help the deepest and the best I can, Laura. That's fantastic. You're able to do that. Um, yeah. the, I know we're coming up on the break very shortly and we do have callers coming on the line, which we will get to right after the break. Um, but you know what I wanted to know is like you mentioned, you know, the, the person that was tormenting you in high school and how, how, he begged for your forgiveness at your high school reunion. How how has that transformed your thoughts about forgiveness? And what exactly does that mean? Okay. Forgiveness, actually, there's so much work being done on forgiveness, but it's mm -hmm. actually a fallacy because it has nothing to do with forgiving another person. You think it does. All right. We created the word forgiveness. Humans did. It doesn't even exist in spirit God's language because there is absolutely never anything to ever forgive. And I never understood that concept until my tormentors would come to me at my reunions. I went to every single one of my reunions and because of the way I responded to them in love, because there wasn't even a need for me to turn around and say, I forgive you, as if you so wronged me. Nobody wrongs us, Laura. We wrong ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's, otherwise, we'd be victims. And, and through that understanding, it gave me compassion for others. That compassion released me from a hold that so many people are attached to. They want to stay angry. Anger yeah. is a defense mechanism, and it's a secondary mm -hmm. emotion. It's not a primary emotion. It comes 
immediately after you feel bad about yourself. Because it is easier to be angry with another person and to blame another person than it is to be angry with yourself. So the moment I started understanding who I was and had compassion for me, the compassion for others automatically occurred. And they felt that. And through them feeling that, it released something within them. I had a one person track me down to write, he said, I'm 50 years old, he just turned 50. I had to search all over for your email because I took care of so many things in my life, but the only thing I could never take care of is begging you for forgiveness with the way I tormented you. It left such a bad taste in my mouth as an adult. Can you please forgive me? And I wrote him back saying there was nothing ever to forgive. And you had your own journey. You had your own issues. You had your own pains. And it had nothing to do with me. And I understand that. So don't harbor any guilt. Don't harbor. Well, he used to live in Florida. And he just recently moved up here just so that he can be closer to me, him and his wife. And we're dear Mm -hmm. friends now. And making up for everything. And he, at Thanksgiving, we invited him over, told my whole family, your father released and let go he forgave me he says he didn't have to but i tormented him and he helped me release that from my heart i owe him such a debt and you know when somebody tells you that you don't want to hold on to all that negative stuff and when you release it yourself you feel what god's love really is laura so that's what i knew i tapped into and so it wasn't a process It was a choice. Beautiful. Wow. And I I would love to get into that because I know there's people who say, I just can't find myself to be able to, quote unquote, forgive somebody, you know. And so I want to kind of use as a segue point to get into the um, when people actually do feel stuck in life. You know, what 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 part does that play? Oh, yeah, that plays a major role because we'll go there. Okay. Yes, we that would be awesome. We definitely have to go there, okay? Yes, we definitely will. And we're going to go to that right after the break. Um, but if anybody who's just tuning in, I am talking with my fellow Unity Radio co-host, um, or co-host, yeah, <laughs> fellow Unity Radio host, um, Vincent Jenna. And you can learn more about Vincent by going to his website, vincentjenna.com. And you can also listen to him on his radio program every Wednesday on unityonlineradio.org um, at Eastern and was that nine eight? Nope. What time is that on the nine Pacific and uh, twelve Eastern? Oh, twelve Eastern. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. So twelve Eastern on Wednesday. So definitely check out his radio program. And again, it's it's vincentjenna.com. Thank you, Vincent. This is so great. I'm gonna look forward to talking right after the break, everybody. Joan, Angie, and everybody on the line, just hold on. We'll be with you in just a few moments. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. the voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to The Intuitive Life with Laura Wooster. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with psychic medium, spiritual teacher, Vincent Jenna. Are you feeling like you're stuck? Do you feel like you sometimes stop yourself from moving forward? And would you like to learn how to turn that feeling of being stuck into a time of transformation. So we're in the middle of talking with Vincent and going deep with this information. So hold tight, everybody. So it was just what we wanted to talk about. Um, and I mentioned just before the break was, you know, there's many times I've heard people say, I don't know if I can forgive them. I don't know. I know we talked about what, what you feel forgiveness is, but what part does that and the, the, the feeling that not being able to forgive somebody, what does that play in people's, feeling of not moving forward. Okay. I'm going to simplify this for every listener, okay, out there. There is only one thing that stops you from ever moving forward. There is only one thing that makes you feel stuck in anything. And I will tell you that momentarily, not right away. I want to give examples first. It, Whether it be forgiveness um, whether it be being able to let go of habits, whether it be um, having the courage to move to a different area, get another job, get out of a bad relationship, every single thing relates to the same issue and the same problem, and it has nothing to do with others. It never had anything to do with forgiveness. I did an event this weekend, which was fabulous, for Chicago International Association of Near-Death Studies. And I had the greatest question at the end of my event that stated it all in plain English. And she, this person, was so genuine. It was the first time I ever heard someone admit the absolute issue. And she said, Laura, I am afraid to love myself. I hold on to my fears purposely because of that. And because of that, I'm afraid to love others. I cannot trust. How do I stop that? That wow. is the absolute answer to every person's problem no matter what it is, health, finance, relationship, vocation, reward, fulfillment of dreams, not knowing your passion and purpose. You are afraid to love who you are because you've never been nurtured enough, enough now, that's the primary word here, enough, I'm not going to say that you all have never been nurtured, but I'm telling you right now, you've never been nurtured enough because there has not been enough unconditional love on this earth for hundreds, if not thousands of years already. And the problems have been perpetuating and being passed down from generation to generation to generation. There are two things you learn growing up and you learn mostly from your parents. One, whether you're lovable. Two, how to love yourself. Both of those areas of every human's life has been tainted some way or another. 
some mm -hmm. more intensely than others. I had an intense one. Others had more intense than me. Others may be minimal. But every human, because we're body, mind, and spirit, require the same spiritual food as well as the same nurturing physical food, right? Mm -hmm. We need proteins. We need carbohydrates. We need fats. Well, guess what? We need love. And when you're deprived of that in any way, or it's soured for any reason, mm -hmm. or it's so overwhelming that you can't even believe its value anymore, you lack the love for yourself. And what this person asked me and told me in her question is the truth. You're afraid to love who you are because you don't know what it feels like. You don't know what it's going to do if you do love yourself, and you don't know if you can hold on to it. So you would rather hold on to fear, the fear of not being lovable, because that you are used to. And you will hold on to not forgiving others, because that anger and resentment for others you are used to. And you will hold on to the bad habits purposely. I was a psychotherapist for many years. I had clients, Laura, that I eventually had them admit to me that they did not want to heal. I've had major depressive disorders sitting in front of me. And they would be telling me all these wonderful events that went on in their lives during the week and yet still telling me how bad they feel. And I said, that's not true. I don't believe you feel bad. I believe you want to feel bad. And they would finally admit, just as my clients today will admit, well, it's the only thing I'm used to. And that's what humans will do. They will hold on to not what makes them feel good. So there's where Freud was wrong. He always said that the id part of your ego would always choose the gratification. But do you understand that negative is gratifying too? It's That's why true. children will purposely do something bad to get even a negative attention from their parents. And that's how they get negative reinforcement. So adults mm -hmm. will hold on to the negative intentionally, intentionally. Mm -hmm because they don't know anything else. So right. until you can admit that, you can't let go of anything. You have to admit you're holding on to the opposite of what you really want before you can grab hold of what you really deserve. That's a powerful statement right there. Wow. So obviously this is something, well, so when you had that experience at your reunion, that that almost was almost instantaneous for you. But for a lot of people, um, from for many cases, maybe it can be it can be that same thing for other people, or it can almost be instantaneous a realization almost overnight of forgiveness is right. But what about for for a lot of people, it feels like a process. Like you have to take little steps here and there to move towards that to real to mm. go to full realization of that. So where and where do you go? Where how do you address 
people who want to forgive and they're ready to forgive and they feel like they have forgiven feel a need to set really healthy boundaries with people to the point where they're not cutting them out but they're they're they just got good boundaries with them is is that real forgiveness no they haven't taken any steps because here's the thing there are no steps to take it's choices Mm -hmm. everything that you just said and i i'm i'm not wanting to sound like i'm intentionally correcting you it's not that's no i I want to hear what you understand It's not about, but you, what you said is what everybody mm-hmm. does use. Every single thing you just said actually is a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. People, it's not a process. The process is simple. It's a choice. It's mm-hmm. the practice that's difficult because you gotcha. got to make that choice every day. Every day we make choices. We wake up, we decide what we're going to eat, we decide when to take the bath, when to brush our teeth, when when you know, when we're going to leave for work, what we're going to do for the rest of the day. We make choices every day. Every day we fail in some choices, every day we succeed in a lot of choices. So you mm-hmm. cannot say that all of a sudden something is more, more difficult than another. We make choices all the time. What it right. is that they're saying is I don't want to let go right now or I want to forgive no you don't if you want to forgive if you want a Mercedes you go out and earn the money you go buy a Mercedes if you want to go get ice cream you go and get ice cream now all of a sudden just because it becomes emotional it's a forgiveness thing you can't do it no you're afraid to do it again. You're afraid to let go. You're afraid to love because you think you're going to get hurt again. It has nothing to do with your inability. It has to do with your wanting, your actual desire to do it. Because every human is capable of getting what they want when they want it enough. We've seen it over and over. The law of attraction has nothing to do with getting what you want just because you say so. It works with getting what you really, 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 really want because your intention becomes so focused and powerful. And man, are we capable of accomplishing all these things. Please look at the buildings of the world and the architecture. Do not tell me that we are incapable of forgiving when we want to, when we've created everything out of nothing and millions out of no dollars. We've done it all the time. It's because we don't want to. And when we do want to truly, you've got to keep wanting it every day, not just Monday, not just Sunday, but every moment that your eyes are open. That's why the process is easy, Laura. The practice is what's difficult. The practice is difficult. You've got to replace what you think is making you comfortable in what will make you wealthy and rich and and euphoric in bliss. But you've got to believe that that's what you're going to get. And that's the other part of it. People don't believe. That's why they don't want. So it has nothing to do with taking baby steps at a time. There's no such thing as an adult taking baby steps anymore. They can take the most (laughs) giant step that they want in anything. Why do you take baby steps? Because you're afraid, not because you're just learning. Mm -hmm. We know how to walk. We know how to walk. When you become Mm -hmm. older, you become afraid of losing your balance. 
But dang, we know how to walk and we learn that pretty quickly and we know how to get what we want. The whole perp, the idea is want it, believe you can have it, and most of all, believe you deserve it. There you go. So, so when people say that they're stuck, they're feeling stuck. So, would how would you, how would you define that when people say they're feeling stuck? What is what exactly is happening? They're holding on. They're not stuck. They're right. holding. Here's what people need to understand about the law of physics. And Newton was the one who created this understanding. When an object is put in motion only an equal to force or greater force can stop that motion. There is no greater force than spirit. When spirit put life in motion, it put it in a forward motion. You can't go backwards. You actually can't get stuck unless you're holding on and digging your heels into the ground. So there is no such thing as being stuck, there is resistance. You are resisting moving forward. Again, because of your fears, you're resisting growing. You're resisting evolving. You don't have to do anything to do that. A seed does nothing in order for it to grow into the plant that it's meant to grow in. It has everything encased in that seed that it needs. We have everything and even more in case. We are our own nutrition. We're our own watering. I mean, a seed needs nutrition and water and the sun to grow. We don't need anything. We are everything we need. We are everything we don't have. We have it all. It's our willingness to produce it that matters. And if you don't believe you are willing, if you don't believe you are deserving, if you don't believe in any of that, then that's mm -hmm. what's digging your heels in the ground. Mm. So that's what being stuck is all about. It has nothing to do with the image of you're in, you know, you're stuck in this hole and this rut that you've created. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it that way, how is a hole dug? It's constantly being either uh, uh, scooped out. It's constantly being grinded in some way, right? But there's a force going on in order to dig the hole. And right. the force is what you're creating for yourself in order to stop yourself from going forward. But you're the one that creates that hole. So you've got to have the desire to, I don't want to hold on anymore. That's what releasing, letting go, surrendering is all about. It has nothing to do with giving everything over to spirit and God. God doesn't want everything. That's why he gave it to us. <laughs> right. Wants us to have it yeah. so that we can get yeah. the joy of growing and creating and manifesting. You just surrender nothing over to God. You surrender to you. You surrender to the higher part of you. You let yourself move forward because you believe in yourself. You don't even have to know where you're going. I like this conversation. I had no idea where you were going with it and neither did you. You might've had some intentions and idea to start with, but we just mm -hmm. went. I do lectures without preparing for them because I know if I just let go and get out of my way, that's what's meant by getting out of your way. The mm -hmm. greater part of me speaks. Yes. Right? Yep. Absolutely. The higher consciousness. Absolutely.
Oh my goodness. Wow. If we could we could talk about this for an hour. I could literally talk with you for hours and just like what, what do you think about this? And what do you think about <laughs> I know awesome. that. Well one day we want. Yeah. I want to hear all about what you say too, you know. So I do. I have to listen to your show more. <laughs> yes, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so we, let's go to um, a few of our callers so um and so we can help them with what they may be struggling with right now. So let's go to uh, Joan in California. She's been waiting for a while. Hey Joan. Hi. Hi, thanks for your, thanks for waiting. Oh, thank you. Um, I I agree with what Vincent has said, and uh, I feel stuck in a crossroad in my life, and I feel like part of me wants to move on, and part of me wants to hold back, like he said, out of fear, and for me also some resentment. Oh, I know, but I will tell you this right now, Joan. Thank you for calling. First of all. You, I said this on Saturday, and I got to re keep recalling it So because I love what it sounded like. You can never resent anything else in life more than you can resent yourself. So you have to stop resenting yourself. The resentment that you're feeling, I'll tell you this right now, there is a greatness in you that is trying to get you going so, so you get to do your great thing and touch the world, which is what you're meant to do. And you're resenting yourself from being afraid to do that. So when I just said that we're the ones, there's no rut, there's no hole we get stuck in other than the one that we dig, that's what's stopping you is your own self-resentment in not believing that, hey, I am great, I am supposed to be doing these wonderful things, and I can't believe I'm stopping myself from doing that. And when that's the first recognition you have to have, and then the second and the most important recognition, Joan, is I know you had some bad messages when you were growing up and those messages were all wrong about you hun you've got to create your own new messages your own new reparenting i don't care what you think has been evidence in your life that you're not worthy and good you've got to get rid of that say no to it and tell yourself now how worthy and good you are look at the world hun do you want to be part of what's destroying it right now? Or do you want to be part of what's healing it? And you've got the capacity, otherwise you wouldn't even be here listening to Laura's show and asking this question. So it's a matter of accepting finally, okay, bring it on. Whatever it is I'm meant to do, and you are meant to help, you are a healer, you are a helper, you will be out in the world doing that. So get a move on, we need you please, okay? We need you. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be needed and to be part of this cure, Joan? Yeah, I, I I am stepping out of my comfort zone more and more, and it's it's not easy. But I do feel like I'm doing some things to help the world, as you call it. That's it. And don't I, be afraid. Look, everybody used to tell me that when I was going to do this work, I was going to get admired, I was going to be loved, I was going to get all these accolades, I was going to be criticized. I was going to be tormented. I was going to, there was going to be those who would hate me. And out of all the people and the work that I've done in my life and the world so far for the past 38 years now, I can count on one hand all of the criticism compared to all of the love. Don't be afraid of the criticisms. They'll be far and few, especially at this point. 
Don't be afraid to be hurt. Get yourself out there and you will produce more love for yourself and you will receive more evidence by the responses you receive from the world. So start with yourself and then watch how the world starts to treat you. Okay, Joan, it's time. Do some uh, writing actually, and do some speaking. I actually okay? am getting I actually am getting a lot of criticism and harassment right now, but because of what I'm doing. But I you know, I feel like I have the potential to do so much more than I am doing, but I still don't really know what that is. I don't have a clear idea of what that is. You're getting it. You don't have to be clear. Albert Einstein said, tell me what God is thinking, the details I don't need to know. And what he meant by that is whatever I'm feeling inspired is I feel that that's the, the God source, that's what it is, and that it's talking to me in that way and that I'm meant to do that. So I don't have to know how it's going to happen. I don't even have to know what it clearly looks like. The universe is going to show me that. I just have to say I'm doing it. I plan on, I am doing it now. So Joan, proclaim it. Just don't announce it and tell me and Laura and anybody else who's listening. Tell those who you're, who's criticizing you, who, by the way, are meaningless in your life, to tell you, <laughs> detach yourself emotionally from these people because they really have no meaning. They're having more hard time accepting themselves than they are of you. So the criticism they find of you is because of how much they dislike themselves. So, Joan, just say, hey, universe, spirit, I'm part of you. Show me what it is now. I like part of what I'm doing. I want to learn more. Open me up, and the opportunities will come there. Like I said, you're going to be talking, you're going to be educating, and it will be in a spiritual realm. So keep those doors open, and just wherever your interests lie, follow that. Listen to your heart. Okay, Joan? Okay. Best wishes to you. You're going to do great things. Go for okay, it. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Joan. You're welcome. All right. Take care. All righty. We're down to like the last two minutes, so I'm just going to bring Angie on to see how much we can help her in two minutes. Okay. <laughs> Angie Hi. from Wisconsin. Hi, Angie. Thanks for calling. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. 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 How can we help um, you with today? Hey. Yeah. So I'm wondering, am I, am I worried? about what others will think of me or have I just not the last piece of the puzzle for myself? Am I worried about what others think of me? What do you think the answer is if you have to ask that question? <laughs> and that's yeah. not even the psychic part of me. That's just the, the regular part of me telling you that. You're, here's, here's the issue, Angie, and it's not an issue. So I have, I have all the pieces, right? I just have to work on that You part. have every single piece, and you're a very sensitive person, which is why you care about what others think of you and say. And anybody who turns around and says, I don't care what anybody else says of me, they're lying. We're here on the right. earth, and we're social beings, and we want to be loved. So what does that mean? It means we care. So you care. Don't ever lose that. Don't have the negative affect you by those who are might maybe saying the wrong things. And don't need their approval in order to approve yeah. of yourself. That starts from within you. It was supposed to be given right. to you when you were young enough. You have every piece already. A matter of fact, what Archangel Michael just told me is you were supposed to put that puzzle together a long time ago and start using it. So get it going now because there's more pieces coming. Oh, okay. 
Okay. This yeah, year. I've been sitting on the fence on purpose, so I was like, Ugh. no, you no know, more fences. Like, Get off the fence. It hurts, especially when they're picket fences. Oh, I know. I hear you. I hear you. Oh, go for yeah. it. Just like I just told Joan before you, you're needed out there. You've got many of the pieces. By the way, use creativity and art in your work as well. There is an artistic mm -hmm. part of you that you need to tap into more. Okay, perfect. Beautiful. Okay, Thank you so it. much for the help. Will do. Go Thank you. Have a good day. Angie, what are you doing with um, with uh, artistically? What are you getting interest in? Um, well, um, I am a non-practicing shaman and um, I do nature art and um, okay. I um, have been for the last year sitting on a starting a ministry. So I'm like, yeah, I think it's starting to be about time because I don't want this opportunity to be taken away from me. Not that it ever could be taken away from me, but I just haven't, you know, I'm still That's sitting right. in the wings. And use the artwork. You use it in the form of inspiration and even put it around quotes and passages and things like that. But that is an absolute important part to you because you will reach people vibrationally through what yeah. you put in your artwork as well. It is just as important yeah. for you to use that as well as your words. Okay. It's all healing. Will do. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. I can't wait to see those cards you're going to be creating. Make sure you oh. send me one. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Angie. Thanks Bye, for guys. calling in. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Right, my goodness, that was a quick hour. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, it my is. Goodness. Thank you so much, Vincent. This, has been, this was so much fun. I really enjoyed chatting with you, and I look forward, hopefully, to doing it again sometime. Absolutely. And, um, thank you so much for having yeah. me, Laura. And I, I so apologize for speaking more than you get a chance to even ask. Oh, no, that's all good. It's all good. And please give my best to Eileen and and good luck with your new home. And I'm sure thank we will so be speaking much. again. Yes. <laughs> thank you, hey, everybody. We'll see you. And I'll see you next week. My guest next week, Lee Eden Morrow, the author of The Bridge. So I hope you'll join us for the conversation. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.